Hey there, Dungeon Master Philip here. Have you been following the art released and thought, could I too have a portrait or landscape as badass as the Etro teams? Who would I turn to? Well, look no further. Our very own Gleek can take care of you and all of your art demands. You can check him out on Instagram as gram.illustrations. That's right, gram, G-R-A-H-A-M, dot illustrations. Commissions start at $50, so feel free to message him directly or send him an email to gramillustrations at gmail.com. He'll handle anything like logos, album covers, character art, and much, much more. Just reach out and he'll take it from there. We hope to hear from you soon. Warning, the following podcast will contain explicit content, so if that's the kind of thing that upsets you, then I recommend leaving now. This is your one and only chance. Everything beyond this point is overgrown idiots playing with dice. Your discretion advised. Without further ado, I would like to kick this off just by saying thank you for tuning in. And secondly, uh, this is our boy Samson's personal interview today. It's uh, just going to be thoroughly diving into the background on who Samson is, uh, what the inspiration behind him was, mechanics behind him a little bit more uh, thoroughly, like what is exactly that Storm Herald and such. Uh, we'll be touching all those facts tonight, but first, uh, obviously I want to introduce Samson. Everybody already knows him, but go ahead and say hi. Hello, my name is Benjamin. I'm going to be bringing you guys Samson for the uh, foreseeable future. Nice, nice. And then also, we have a guest talker. This is my friend Kendrick. He actually plays in a few of my campaigns, and he also hangs out. In the picture, Hello. why is there a duck head munching on ghost's front arms? What? <laughs> Your shirt? Oh! Oh! <laughs> Are you talking about the shirt? It says, everyone loves Dungeon Daddy, and it's like one of those... Um, Oh, God, I can't remember the brand. There's a brand of shirts where they basically do, like, uh, satanic ritual cult stuff, but it's, like, with kids' books. And my buddy, um, we, he's been in the chat a few times, AACab on uh, Instagram. He um, he got me the shirt for Christmas, and it's basically, it, ju it just says, Everybody Loves Dungeon Daddy. And it's uh, Grim Reaper teaching the kids how to play. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, without further ado, though, this is pretty much just going to be the little informative session. We got guest star Kendrick tonight. He's going to be uh, dishing out some questions, and he's going to be hanging out with us. Uh, we're only going to run about maybe an hour, two hours tops, just kind of get thorough into who Samson is and why. So, without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Ben here, our dear Samson barbarian, and see, uh, see what's on his mind first off. Absolutely nothing. Head empty. No thoughts. Alright. Uh, Samson was probably one of the first characters that I ever thought of when I was first getting into D&D. So, in a lot of ways, he is probably not the most original character in the world. But, you know, I'm putting a lot of flavor into him and a lot of my own effort into him now that I'm actually using him. And I'm going to be developing him a lot. There's going to be a lot to him that uh, you might not see coming. Might not be exactly what you would expect from somebody of this class, you know? It just seemed like fun. I knew I needed to make a barbarian. Uh, at this point, I had already made a couple of characters for different D&D campaigns, and uh, one of them was already a very crotchety little old lady, this little tiefling witch necromancer type, you know, already very much on the edgy dark lord, you know, dark and uh, angsty side of the spectrum. 
So I knew that I needed to make a different character that was going to be different from that. And I settled on a barbarian, because barbarians are fun. You know, it's good to get your hands dirty and get in there and do some actual slashing and do some actual damage. Feel very controlling in a battlefield. It's a oh, good yeah. feeling. And then, of course, I felt like, well, he needs to have a nice, good, wholesome personality. He needs to be a, a sweetheart at the center of all of it. You know, this is somebody who has a lot of strength at their disposal, a lot of things that they can do, but not a lot of desire to do the kinds of things that you would expect them to do with it. You know, like they're not a very aggressive person, they're not a very violent person, even though you would expect them to be very good at it, that kind of thing. Which he is, but, you know, he prefers not to use it. Violence is an ugly thing that, at the end of the day, ultimately leaves things worse than they were before. Oh, yeah. And that is something that he understands on a deep level, you know. You can have all the strength in the world, and it's not going to protect, you know, a lot of the really important things. And, you know, misused, it's just going to destroy all the important things. So he's going to be a bit of an exploration of that kind of an idea. Awesome. I like awesome. the idea of a big, strong guy who uh, just wants to use it to make delicate things last. The beautiful things, the things that really matter. Nice. Okay, well... Good stuff, good stuff. Hello, uh, BBP Bozo and Alog Nasty. Just wanted to say hi. Um, second, um, that being said, that, that's nice little intro to Samson. Uh, so he's overall sweetheart, barbarian. I remember back from session zero, we were talking um, uh, not too long about it, but more or less about um, that whole mechanic of how you're going to be avoiding your rage. That's one thing that I find a lot of interest in. I think that's going to be the first thing I'm going to ask you tonight is um, not only um, what do you think is a time that's appropriate to rage, and secondly, um, Man, why, what is with him safeguarding people so much? Like, I understand he's the big guy trying to be the protector, but what makes it so dear and such a sincere thing to him? Was it potentially the background with the whole slavery thing? Is it just him safeguarding because they can't protect themselves? Well, tell me a bit. Those are some really good questions. I find those some mm -hmm. really good... Uh, I think I got a pretty good answer on the uh, first one there. Uh, yeah, let's repeat the second question one more time. The second question was more or less talking about like um, uh, what really um, what are those reasons like uh, obviously when is it appropriate to rage but why do you choose to rage? Gotcha. So when it's appropriate to rage is going to be a fun one. There's a couple of reasons that I've decided to hold back on the raging and have that not be his first choice. Uh, it started off with of course he's a very uh, gentle-hearted person doesn't want to do a lot of damage you know so it started off with a little bit like that but also I've decided that I want to go a different way with what the raging really is. So between those two things, like he knows that raging is going to do extra damage to things. Uh, with him being a Path of the Storm Herald, it's going to also come with some side effects, some area of effect damage later, you know, that will be, you know, ultimately actually will hurt his teammates, you know, if they're too close to him. So it's like, you know, he has this idea that rage is dangerous, but also mechanically I don't really want to be thinking of it as raging. Uh, Samson is very much inspired to do what he does by this uh, great desert spirit that he encountered while he was living in the deserts of Marrakesh, you know, the <laughs> deserts of the, uh, the world that you've created here. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, the desert spirit. Yeah. Uh, it's more of him, like, channeling the, like, the, the, the powers of that desert spirit than it is raging. 
typically like you know it's called rage because barbarians are typically the big angry beast full of you know unbridled rage that's barely contained and they rage at the first opportunity because the, the you know the bloodlust of battle overcomes them and and they're and they do all the extra damage and all that and it's not really like that with Samson when he rages it's more of a he has found a situation the desert spirit sent him over here to do good things or particular kinds of good things so he's going to be using that rage uh, when it's going to be helping him to achieve his ends, basically. Okay. So he's looking for particular people. Uh, if he finds people that are those people or people that are similar to them, you know, that will be an opportunity that he will channel some of this uh, Great Desert Spirit's uh, sandstorm, powerful you know, energy like that. He's going to be channeling some of that into his rage, you know, when he finds particular kinds of people or when he feels it's necessary to protect his friends. Like, if he's in danger, more danger than he thought he was, mm -hmm. or if his friends are in more direct danger than he thought they were in, if he feels like just his normal, raw brute strength isn't enough, he'll pull on that desert strength to bolster his strength, and also later it's going to summon a sandstorm, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a lot of that. Okay. Did okay. I answer both questions well enough? Honestly, yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. So, um... Kendrick, just out of curiosity, uh, you got any questions for our dear Samson? I actually did. I was actually going to ask right now. Uh, yeah, Sam, when you were building Samson, because the first thing I do whenever I think of a character that I want to play in any campaign is how is this character going to interact with the party? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you this question. So what, when you were building question, how did you think inter uh, Samson would interact with the party? Was was he going to be like a, like a mediator? Was he going to well, be like a, like a, or something like that? Like... How would, how would he react with uh, being in a party question. of people? When I people... make characters, I don't really like... I kind of make them a bit in a vacuum. I kind of like to just kind of get a template of a character that could fit in basically everywhere. And depending on what the party needs, depending on how long it's been since I've used that character and how much I want to change them from what I originally conceived, I'll kind of tweak them again when I actually get to use them. So I first developed Samson as like a base idea, you know, when I first started playing D&D, God, almost five years ago. <laughs> and then I'm only just now getting an opportunity to actually use him. So what I want from him has changed significantly since then. Uh, when I first envisioned him, I envisioned him as more of a gladiator type, more of like your typical, he's a nice guy, but quick to anger. And, you know, but, like, I have sent, is, you know, I've had five years of exposure to culture since then. And I'm like, you know what, I can do better than that. You know, I can, I can you know, and, and I've had more opportunities as well with what Phil has created in his world. I've had more opportunities to do more interesting things with Samson. And I've had more interesting ideas since then. Uh, I knew that I was going to, like, I, I went through a number of characters with Phil that I had in mind on standby uh, when I was interviewing for this. And I ran through a number of different characters, different builds, different classes, different personality types, etc. And Phil and I both, you know, mutually agreed that like, oh, this character would fit in well with the group that he had already picked, because I was actually the last one picked. And uh, and his size would of course benefit the group as well. So uh, with that in mind, it was like, well, I guess I'm going to be leaning into the heart of gold aspect of this. You know, he's going to be a real sweetheart. And also, you know, there was this great desert that he was in, and I was like, man, I feel like I could do something with like a, with like with this with this desert area. And Phil gave me a couple cool creatures that are in that area that I'm really excited to get into as well. <laughs> you know, 
just there, Phil set me up with some good opportunities that I've used to bolster this this base idea of a character that I had that I've had for like five years. You know, just a big strong guy who's a sweetheart. You know, I have since just made a lot of changes. Okay. Cool. I mean, sometimes it needs is just a little bit of that context. I mean, if you can breathe some life into the character, uh, like you're saying, those creatures, uh, the one you mentioned back in Session Zero, the Sandworm, I, everyone knows him in my worlds as the Great Devourer because, uh, previously stated back in Session Zero, he's almost the size of an entire city coiled up, but that isn't even enough. He's much larger. Um, if you could think of a good depiction, think of like Norse mythology, like Jormungandr, uh, the big world-eating serpent that encircles the entire ocean and eats his own tail because he's that large. If you want a better image, think of the bullworm from Spongebob. <laughs> the Alaskan bullworm! <laughs> Honestly, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun not only to implement those creatures of your past, but to really integrate it all into the story because not once have I had someone come up to me and say they want to be the nice guy barbarian. Obviously, everyone wants to go to automatically the drunk barbarian, the aggressive kill-everything barbarian. It's just the cliches that always stick around, and nothing's wrong with a good cliche. Trust me, you'll be running into they're plenty. They're cliche. They're good because, you know, for a reason. Yeah, yeah they're a cliche, they're cliche because, because they're, good. they're so versatile. They're so good. But um, honestly, at the end of the day, they're, uh, honest, uh, I think Samson's going to surprise the world a little bit. I think he's going to be that one unique uh, barbarian that brings a little bit of flair. Perhaps even, because um, I was thinking personally, I might later down the line, you know, might homebrew something for you, Samson. Because uh, one thing that I've disclosed in my campaigns is um, I, this first one's going to be 1 to 15. And typically the usual campaign, um, it'll go in between those levels or it'll go to 20 at cap. But I've homebrewed an additional 10 levels specifically to stretch out the story thus far. And it gives me that opportunity to homebrew some stuff. And I've already been thinking about like Path of the Patient or like Path of the Calm, like some homebrewed features that would really accommodate Samson's playstyle. That would be playing, amazing. Help you play as potentially a support barbarian. That's what I'm thinking. I think it'd be a lot of fun to do something like that. Well, he's not a support barbarian. He definitely is a take the heat barbarian. Oh yeah. Definitely, you know. But, but to have those additional features at That would hand. definitely be good things that would be that would benefit think like slow burn. Oh yeah, features, slow burn effects, things that like start off kind of slow, but the longer the battle progresses, just the more and more they keep getting stronger. Right. That might be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. And it'd be rewards the patience in taking time in battle and not like solving it immediately with big punches right off the bat. Because you can always swing your axe, but there's always 50 other different ways you can approach that situation. Mhm. Nice. I would even appreciate a class that would reward <laughs> not raging. If I'm going to be avoiding raging, just throwing that out there. Hey, I'll think about it. All right, well, um, let's see. I know one question I had for certain, obviously we've delved into um, where you got the inspiration for Samson, but um, personally, I, I want to know um, why Samson? Like, you've got the inspiration down, you've got uh, the mechanics from the background thrown in, but... Where did he ever first come from? Like, where was that stem root? Like, where when you sat down one day and thought, I'm going to make a brand new character, what gave you the concept of Samson? And how did it develop thus far? Well, the core of it was people that have the ability to do something to help should do something to help. That's ultimately the core of it. 
Okay. You know, everybody has that idea. Everybody believes in that. I think that if you have a big muscle and somebody over there is abusing their strength to hurt somebody smaller and weaker than them, if you can stand up to that, you should. You know, and that philosophy should also you know apply to other aspects of life. If you have the opportunity to help somebody. You know, make their situation a little bit better. You know, especially if it doesn't cost you anything, especially if it's negligible from your perspective. You know, you should absolutely go ahead and do it. That's kind of the root of Samson. Nice. Okay. Kendrick, you got one for the man? Not right now. Okay. Well, I think the next one I would have for you would be. We've delved into who Samson is, why Samson is. Let's go into future plans for Samson. We kind of scratched the surface just a little bit back during session zero, but again, I'm trying to reiterate some of these questions because I, I want to see your uh, full delving, like full idea into it. Um, okay. Let's go with. Hmm. So you said Storm Herald. Yeah. What was the first glance into that, and were there any second guesses? Oh, like, absolutely were there, not. Were there any other paths that you might have considered for Samson? No, no. Uh, as soon as I saw Path of the Storm Herald, I was like, this is the way to go. There's a couple really interesting and really fun paths that you can take as a barbarian. Uh, for those of you that don't know D&D as well and don't know the barbarian class as well, uh, the first one that'll, that you'll see when you open the player's handbook is Path of the Totem Warrior which is a very fun class. You get to every few levels, you pick an animal totem, and you get some perk uh, that comes from it. You know, there's three routes you can kind of take. You can take the bear route, the wolf Best route, or the eagle route. Bear. The bear route, every few levels, yeah, you get like strength boosts, and it makes you stronger and bulkier and a better tank. Uh, the wolf route makes you a better support teammate. You get, like, good tracking abilities, and you can, like, mark enemies, I think, for, like, other teammates to do, like, bonus combo damage and stuff, like, fun stuff like that. And the eagle route, you know, boosts, like, your perception, and most fun, the thing that most people would want to do this route for is you get a flying speed Oof. when you take the eagle path at a certain point. And that's the way that a, a lot of folks would want to go as a barbarian. That's, like, the typical way. That seemed like a lot of fun, but... Uh, I had seen it a few times already, and I was like, I, you know, it's it's fun, but I feel like animal imagery is heavy with the Path of the Totem Warrior. You really have to have a variety of animal influences, you know, and like, in, in, uh, I don't know, it just didn't seem too particularly the way that I wanted to go with Samson at the time. Uh, the other path, I forget what it's called. Uh, a good friend of mine ran this path, and I completely forget what it's called. Would it be the Berserker? Path of the Berserker, yeah, I think that one, I don't even know what the deal is with that one, I've never even really hardly looked at that one, I guess. The Berserker is, um, uh, if we're talking mechanically, it's probably closely related to like a fighter champion, where gotcha. it's more like savage attacks, high dealing damage, and better chances at crit. So it's more like if you're trying to be this relentless DPS machine mm -hmm. that really pushes back bosses and makes the DM sit there and think for a moment, that's kind of the route you want to go, because on top of that, I believe it also incorporates some resistances as well like nothing crazy like the bear totem mm -hmm. but just enough to where you're that much more of a threat 
So it, it's like the equivalent of like an old like Nordic berserker in the days when they would get drunk and take mushrooms and they would go absolutely... Oh, damn. Like that, that was most of the canon lore behind them is that they would go completely intoxicated and inebriated under the influence of something. Yeah, I'm definitely glad I didn't go that route with Samson. Oh, That's yeah. definitely far more aggressive. Far, far more aggressive. <laughs> but complete opposite of Samson. But they are so, so efficient. So like if you're like for the players back in my other games that wanted to play that drunk barbarian or that aggressive barbarian Barbarian, it was the perfect route, but I think I think you made the right choice of Storm Herald. I think I did too. Uh, there's also another really fun one called Path of the Ancestral Guardian. Oh, this cool. one also sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Path of the Ancestral Guardian gives you a deep connection to your ancestors, and you're able to call on ancestral spirits to help you in the material world. And like they like fight with you, and they like support your teammates, and they take like the form of like animal spirits, I think, and some other interesting things like that. And a lot of other stuff that does seem very interesting and very fun. But again, not really Samson. He's not a family man, per se. He's not, like, deeply connected to his heritage and his ancestry. He's very much a person who is in the now, in the moment, in the present, looking at the current problems, trying to find a modern solution for this modern problem, you know, so to speak, as the kids say. Uh, and then I saw and I found Path of the Storm Herald. And Path of the Storm Herald just clicked because the way that it works the way, what it's really about is like it's like you contain this great energy that's just like leaking to get out and it's not rage it's just like this natural force of nature it's this embodiment of storms you know of, of this great chaos of thunder of lightning of, of lava erupting from volcanoes and and sandstorms whipping around and great typhoons leveling cities and it's it's all this great powerful elemental force, you know, but it wasn't like rage, it's not like anger, you know, it's, when you look at chaos in nature, when you look at things like avalanches, and you look at things like tornadoes, and it seems like there's this great chaos, but like what what chaos is really is, is, is an imbalance leveling itself, that's really what chaos is. You know, that's what all like that's what an avalanche is. It's like the snow got too heavy and it's balanced at too steep an angle and it got imbalanced and there's this great tumbling of snow that crushes things, but then it's settled and things are balanced again. So, and sometimes the people that get caught in the way think, holy fuck, that sucks, but that's how nature works. That's how mountains rise, you know, that's how seas get eroded, that's how plates, you know, tectonic plates move apart. You know, it's just great forces of nature that aren't Malicious. They're not evil. They're just powerful forces. Yeah, so at that point, you're almost uh, comparing Samson's rage to that of one of those unbalanced moments. Like, let's mm -hmm. say he's exactly. no, he's obviously typically right on the scale, but there might be that one time where he might be influenced by a really negative moment. Maybe one of his friends falls down and actually looks like they're dead. Maybe he's convinced they are. Maybe they have died. Mm -hmm. That might tip the scale and cause that rage moment. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He's not an angry person. He's not an evil person. He has no malice in him. There's just imbalance in the world. There is oh, yeah. things going wrong, and there's people being hurt that shouldn't be. And he has the ability to do something about it, and he's going to. Fantastic. All right. Uh, I've got a question. Go yeah, man. So Path of the Storm Herald, you know, it, it's a path. It's start to finish. What was Samson's start on that path? Ooh. Ooh. So, I guess this is going to require a bit of Samson backstory then, huh? 
I guess a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. So as as much as only what you want to, you know, tell us. You know, as much as you I mean, this is all stuff that's going to be pretty. Uh, this might even be. I mean, how many people are even want you know watching this? A lot of people are going to be catching up in the future. You know, they'll find this. Anybody that wants to hear this, they're going to be able to look for it anyway. So I'm okay <laughs> with some spoilers here. You know, it's not like big for it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Samson's a humongous guy. He is eight feet tall. You know, give or take a couple inches. He is as big as I could make him while still making him a medium-sized creature, you know, for the for the functionality of the game. Uh, he's a big boy. Uh, a, a classic thing is that barbarians are uh, goliaths. That's a very common thing that you'll see in Dungeons & Dragons. People, oh, you know, wow. That. Hey, look at that. MacDaddy6 just donated $3. Hey, Samsung. Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> thanks, MacDaddy. We love you, dog. I'm going to call you Daddy oh. again for the $3. Thanks, Daddy. Hey, hey, speaking of Daddy... Once again, gonna plug the shirt. Everyone loves Dungeon Daddy. <laughs> it's not our shirt. I don't know who made it. It's just fantastic. So you know, I kind of wanted to. I didn't want to do that directly, but like, I was. I didn't really want to really like acknowledge that background thing, that classic. Like, oh yeah, like my my, my barbarian's also a Goliath. You know, he's not really a Goliath. He's just functionally a human. You know, basically a human. He's just a big, big ass human. There's a possibility that the uh, people that he, that his family was maybe uh, descended from mountains or Goliaths or something, but that's not really just important to his backstory. The important thing now is that he's just a big guy now. Uh, he's just a big person, functionally human, but just humongous. Uh, he lived in the deserts of Marrakesh with his family, who was a tribe of similarly just humongous people, but all functionally human. Spoke human language, basically, but they were just all humongous. Uh, these, this tribe of traveling uh, people that just kind of wandered around the deserts of Marrakesh. Uh, they were attacked by slavers, and they were butchered mercilessly, and all were killed except for the strong and the pretty. Oh, wow. Uh, Samson was like two or three at this time, and he was already like the height of like a human chest. He was already good for you know, four or five feet tall. Already a nice big beefy boy. That's a big boy. That's a big boy. You know? So, of course, he was fair because they were like, all right, this one will be strong, you know? But only like, there was only like 50 people. It's only like a couple people like really survived. God knows if any of them have even lived to this point, you know? Uh, Samson uh, was sold to a circus uh, where he did not work as a freak or anything like that. He wasn't like a stage, he was just basically like a behind the scenes stagehand to help move heavy boxes and stuff like that. Uh, Worked with a couple animals, you know, here and there, you know, if need be. You know, it might help, you know, keep, like, a, a, a cage shut or whatever. Uh, so he saw, like, a lot of traveling merry men and musicians and lots of different kinds of folks. Uh, he was there for about... From, from about three to about ten, nine maybe, you know, somewhere in that age. So he was there for uh, a good six years or so. Uh, while he was there, there was a little elf girl... Uh, you know, little elf girl by, you know, human standards, she looked a little girl. By elf standards, she was like 50 or 60 in all actuality. But, you know, that's functionally like a nine-year-old girl, I think, with elves. 50 or uh, 60. Yeah, like around there, potentially a little bit younger. Something uh, like that. slipping me right now. Though. You know, ages weren't really super specific anyway. None of them even had names. You know, she just called him big guy. You know, he barely spoke. He was a very quiet person. Uh, he was, well, he was, you know working with them as a slave, you know, they would not be very happy about him talking a lot. So he just learned very early on to be very careful and very cautious. He's very aware of his size and how big he is. So he's very, like, careful with small things, with delicate things. He's surprisingly good with, like, glassware 
and like you could leave him, and like, you know, you'd think like you'd be like a bull in a china shop, but he could walk through the, the tiniest of china shops and not break a thing. You know, he learned very early on to just be very careful and considerate and calm because losing his temper in any way very quickly got things broken. Uh, but he grew very close with this little elf girl who was uh, one of the few folks that was really nice to him. She was, of course, much, much older than he was, even looking a very similar age. So she knew a lot of stories, and she would tell him a lot of stories. She told him a lot of cool things about, like, this, like, cities of gold and, and, and great heroes, you know, wielding swords the size of, of doors, you know. <laughs> and he was very much, like, inspired by all these beautiful things that she had told him about and very much believed all of them as true, you know, very much thinks of these stories as, like, factual things that are out there. You know, so he literally believes in El Dorado and like thinks that like a city of gold is out there and he wants to find it. Uh, but eventually it came to a point where they were getting treated badly enough that the two of them decided they were going to escape. And she wound up... Uh, the two of them tried to release some animals to kind of create a diversion, but they wound up getting caught. And uh, she wound up getting beaten to death right in front of Samson, Oof. who immediately, of course, lost his mind broke off a big piece of, of twisted steel uh, from one of the buildings and killed that guy with it and not sure what else the fuck to do just kind of booked it into the deserts of Marrakesh just kind of returned to the only place that seemed at all a possible place for him to survive yeah, and, like what, and get away what do you do at that point I mean didn't like... know where else to go didn't have any other connections you know she had told him that, you know, his, like the people that like he was with, you know, were like the people from Marrakesh. He knew a little bit about that, but not much. He's just like, man, the desert's where I came from. Guess the desert's where I'm going. And uh, while he was in the desert, uh, that's where he encountered... Uh, he stayed in the desert for about 10 years. So for about age 9 to now, he's about like 19 or 20. He's just been in the desert. And in that time, he has a couple of times encountered this great desert spirit who knows who he is, gave him, it seems to have given him his name, you know, was the first person to ever call him Samson, and he immediately just kind of knew, like, oh, that's me, okay? And uh, he's just been kind of following that, like, that that spirit, that spirit's been kind of keeping him away from danger, uh, that spirit's helped him survive this this great worm that's survived, that lives in the desert, you know? So he attributes a lot of his survival to the couple of times that this great spirit has intervened, and... This great spirit is also, you know, seems to lend him some power now and then, and seems to bolster his strength when he really needs it. And, uh, yeah, it just seems to be overall have his best interest at heart, has been keeping him alive and helping him get strong so that he can do the things that the spirit needs him to do. He's kind of been in a form of training, I guess, for the last ten years, with this great spirit watching over him and making sure that he's using his strength the right way. Okay. Now, honestly, uh, to double up on that, because uh, the Great Spirit is something that I personally have been uh, interested in, because I, I have my different elements in the story, but um, one thing I love to do is integrate the player's background into the story uh, full full on. Like, That's why I'm keeping it really vague. That's oh, yeah, why I'm yeah. like really not trying to like nail down a whole yeah. lot of like specific names. Like I'm really giving you stuff to work with That's here. That's perfect. And with that, uh, one thing that I want to ask you personally, like DM to player, uh, why do you think the Desert Spirit might have chosen you? Uh, let's see. The, that's a good question. Um, I haven't really thought out too much of the Desert Spirit. I wanted to really leave that mostly in your hands. Oh, yeah, I got But uh, I got for the that. most part, I've been thinking it's probably 
uh, the desert spirit knows where he comes from and the people that he's descended from knows what kind of uh, things he can do and knows what kind of person he is and knows that he can handle the kinds of trials that are coming up. Uh, I'm imagining the desert spirit as a very neutral spirit, right? It's, of course, a spirit that's granting Samson desert storm powers, you know, and I've already spoken to you a lot about how I feel about storms with them being a, a very neutral force. And I imagine this desert spirit is a similar, very neutral force that just perceives a great imbalance in the world and knows that Samson has the physical strength necessary and the mindset necessary to make a difference, the kind of difference that needs to be made. You know, Samson is angry about quite a few things, of course, but like the anger doesn't define him, you know? But so it's like he's not like a cruel man, but also he does carry a lot of anger inside of him. So it's not like he's a, a perfectly virtuous man, you know? He's just a man out there just trying to settle some imbalances. So I imagine the desert spirit is just a very neutral spirit, just trying to settle a great imbalance towards the wrong kinds of energy in the world. Good shit. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to put some thought into it for you. I very much love that. I think that's real touching. Um, now, uh, going in a little bit further in uh, chat, feel free. If you guys have any questions, we'll take yours as well. We're just honestly winging it here. We're just going off the top. Uh, Kendrick, you have anything as well? Not right. I do have one more thing to say about Samson. Oh, yeah, please. Samson is also a little bit a response to people that think that true neutrals can't be interesting. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> that out there. <laughs> Honestly, I think true neutrals, uh, it's kind of a balance. It's either um, it's either it's going to be the most interesting character, or it's going to be the most boring. And I say that as nicely as I can, merely due to the fact because um, it's either someone that truly wants to play that balance of good and evil, or just someone that doesn't really want to put a whole lot of thought into it, so they just kind of throw the character together. But no, I'm this, putting a, a good oh, yeah. deal of thought into Obviously. this. Obviously. I mean, we're here in this podcast right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but He's going to be a very particular kind of neutral. Like, yes, he's going to be doing good things, and like, no, he's not going to be out here, like, you know, kicking babies and like, and, like letting <laughs> dogs starve. Like, he's... You know, it's not like one day he's a good guy and one guy is one day he's a bad guy. You know, he's not some apathetic guy who just doesn't care about anything, you know. He's just not out here to solve all the world's problems. You know, he's not out here to, to save every life. People are going to get killed. You know, he's you know he's in a, he's out here to save as many lives as he can, you know, but he knows he's going to have to kill some people to save some lives. Oh, yeah. You know, he knows That's some people are going to have to die. approach to life. Say. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I think another good one I would have for you, we've gone into uh, who Samson is, uh, what he's done, why he's done it. Uh, personally, I want to go a little bit more into the equipment, specifically right. that big rebar. Yep. So you've told us the story on how you've gotten it. Now, one thing I want to know is, obviously, this is a token that you've held true to you your entire life. Not only is this, at this point, kind of a memento of that young elven child that you once called a dear friend, but also, this is your trusted blade at your side for the past 10 years or so. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not it's obviously not refined like a proper blade, but it does the work. And He I'm might not even have the word sword in his like yeah. arsenal to call it. Honestly, it's more related to like a, a pointed cudgel, if you would, like a big blunt object. But uh, Yeah, a good deal of it probably is blunt. You know, you look at oh, like yeah. it's as tall as he is almost, you know, probably like the bottom half of it's really sharp. 
So the one question I got for you is, do you think Samson merely due to uh, kind of like that, um, almost like passing down like throughout heritage and like uh, family, do you think um, he's going to stay true to that uh, big rebar? Is he possibly going to upgrade it? Or do you think Samson's one day going to step away and find a new blade that calls to him? Well, I've got quite a few fun ideas also, for Samson. I uh, yeah. wanted to say thank you for the follow, Boogie Woogie Batty. Fantastic name, dude. Glad yeah, fantastic. <laughs> but yes, um, what, what do you think? Do you think I've he's got a, change a couple it up? fun. I've got a couple fun ideas for Samson. Uh, a lot of it comes down to versatility. You know, the, the the blade on his back that he carries very much is just it has been helpful, but it's not going to be his primary weapon. Believe it or not, honestly, he's first probably going to think to fists. You know, he's probably going to first resort to, like, barehanded solving solutions. You know, like, if somebody draws a knife on him, you know, in a bar fight, he's going to just look at the guy and be like, come on, man, really? <laughs> and he's going to, like, grab the guy's, like, wrist. You know, he might break a guy's arm to get a knife out of his arm. But, you know, it's like his, his first response is going to be like, look, I've got big-ass hands. And that is in itself not nothing. And, you know, I can solve this with a, with a minimal amount of bloodshed. And besides that... Uh, he also carries uh, four lengths of rebar that have been pointed on the ends to form some nice throwing javelins. Those are also going to be uh, a weapon that he's going to be using a lot. Uh, I'm going to be trying really hard to actually keep track of them such that like, I know where they go and uh, make sure to actually mark that I get them back. I'm going to be trying to pay attention to that. And uh, the sword's going to be more for when he's fighting somebody that has armor or if he's fighting something much larger than himself. You know, like, if he's fighting, like, a dire wolf, you know, or, like, some big, you know, scaly arachnid creature, like, yeah, I'll pull out the sword, because, like, obviously he's got to do some big chopping. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so, like, the, the sword's going to be, uh, you know, a particular application already. Uh, as for if he's ever going to step away from it, I do have a, a, a couple really fun ideas. I want very much to get him a whip and a, uh, and a net. So gladiator you style. Indiana Jones gladiator <laughs> Get the fuck. <laughs> I like the idea because I like the idea of him uh, putting uh, some of the knowledge that he might have gained working at that circus to use. You know, I like the idea that he would probably have some experience, you know, holding a whip and, you know, using nets, you know, to restrain large creatures. And I like that both the, the whip has reach. Uh, you can hit somebody who's ten feet away from you instead of the usual five. Uh, so you can just move like with a square of distance between you instead of like right up against you, uh, but it also doesn't do a lot of damage. It only does a D four of damage, which is pitiful if you look at like the way the damage dealing is with other weapons. You know, daggers in Dungeons and Dragons do like a D six. No, or something like daggers that. are actually oh, also D fours. Yeah, like uh, like your your typical simple weapons. Well, like I think like your quarter staff and stuff like that. A lot of them do D six. That's a uh, quarter staff. I believe is a D eight. Uh, if you use it one hand, if you use it yeah. two handed, if yeah, because one handed it's like a, if you use it like a. So some weapons with a versatile property, uh, they have an option where it's like you can either one-hand the weapon and take mm -hmm. the smaller damage, or you can two-hand it and get the higher damage. Yeah. But the perk but the of, D8 is like the upper end of the damage usually. Like swords do the D8 if you use it two-handed, right? Yeah, but if you, uh, for no, example... No, swords do a D10 if you do it two-handed. Swords is D8 normally. It depends on the type of sword. But, Long um, sword. Yeah, in, any, in any case, a D4, the point is, long and short of it... Number nerding aside, <laughs> D4s is a pitifully low amount of damage for a weapon to be doing. That's going to be poking people. You know, that's going to be, realistically, that's going to be doing two or three damage at a time, and that's if I even hit people. 
the whip is going to be a lot more about trying to like keep people at bay and like push people away and discourage people from going particular ways and just kind of extending his range without really extending his lethality. Because like I said, he's going to be trying to really to solve problems non-violently unless he's fighting particular kinds of people, you know? Okay. But uh, I also really want to, I might uh, change his primary weapon from the great sword uh, to something like a halberd. Something like a, give him a primary weapon that also has reach but you're, can actually do some you're damage. Speaking to my soul, because he can punch real good. He can punch just fine if they get close. You know, you can attack with disadvantage with like pull arms though too, right? Um, yeah, if they're up close, if they're within the range so with reach, you can like they. It, it typically them. depends. Uh, so like on some ranged weapons, mm -hmm. uh, on most ranged weapons actually, uh, they have a range of like twenty to sixty, depending on like what it is, you know. And it's uh, the way it works is so long as you're within those parameters, you roll regular. If you're either outside of it too much or too little, that's when you're going to be uh, rolling a disadvantage. Uh, on some other weapons, it does work that same way. I don't don't quote me on if it's like that though with the halberd. Gotcha. Uh, personally, I don't think it is. I think it's just regular. But I very much like the idea of giving him weapons that can be used at a distance, and I like the idea of giving him some weapons that can be used to do minimal damage or even just all-out restrain somebody non-lethally. You know, because that's going to be his first decision. He doesn't want people just like dying willy-nilly, and just he does. And anger is just ugly. You know, violence is ugly, and he doesn't like seeing it. You know, have to yeah. avoid it if you can. Okay, well, we got one question from the chat. Uh, Clay Sailor says, Now that we've gone over the other characters, who do you think Samson's going to have the easiest and the hardest time getting along with? I have been waiting for this character. Go for it, buddy. Gleek! Gleek? Gleek. Okay. I am so excited for Gleek. Because I love the big guy, little guy dynamic. Oh boy, oh boy, do I love the little guy, big guy dynamic. I just have been, ever since you told me that I was on and first told me about Gleek, I have just had the image of just a giant man with a little tiny little hum hummingbird <laughs> just on balance on his fingertip. Perfect. You know, I just, I love the idea of just this tiny, fiery, aggressive kind of person and his best friend is like, dude, chill, chill. out, please. You know, I just, I, I love it, man. I love it. I'm super excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Taylor has made a, a really fun character in Gleek that I'm really excited to see as well. Need something new to listen to? Try checking out Foreign Lifeform, for they have just come into orbit with some new sick tunes and merch. Foreign Lifeform is a space punk band here to promote DIY culture along with a quest for innovative music in a stagnant scene. They aim to achieve victory in their mission by choosing to lead by example amongst their human peers in ways such as producing their merch, shopping locally, and striving to make fresh music using famous techniques from a multitude of genres. Follow their page on Instagram to hear more about their message to bring back manufacturing to America, and check out when their next show in San Diego is. Stop following blindly. Expand your mind. Check out Foreign Life Form today.
Hey, Dungeon Master Philip again. Just wanted to say that you should check out at SlimePunks, spelling is S-L-I-M-E-P-U-N-X, on Instagram. If you're looking to explore graphic illustrations, artistic ventures, and user interface projects done by V. Savnan Bukanan herself. She also has an online store called Sick Boy Threads. If you're looking for a new beanie, sweater, or t-shirt to rock, my personal favorite is the Death Moth hoodie. You'll definitely know it when you see it. You can find all of this at sickboythreads.bigcartel.com. Use promo code Dungeon Daddy. <laughs> Just kidding. You think I got a fucking promo code already? But seriously, check it out though. You'll be happy you did. Ready to roll some dice with some kick-ass tunes in the back? Well, I reckon you should check out Running and Screaming then. Local to Ocean Beach and tons of shows under their belts, this ska-punk group brings the vibes and the beer. I highly recommend checking them out on their social media. They have merch available, live shows coming up as well. Heard through the grapevine that they might also play D&D as well, so even more reason to give them a listen. This one is one of my personal favorites called Alcoholics Unanonymous. Let us know what you think. Now, back to the podcast. So I think that's going to be the easiest one. I also think that Sam and uh, Clara and Dathira are going to get along pretty well because they both uh, seem to be bringing a really motherly energy to the campaign, you know. And Samson's a young enough guy that I think he'll respond to parental figures pretty well, you know. Uh, the only problem character that I really foresee as being interesting is uh, Ace Hentura. <laughs> Uh, who I believe Castro claims he would be bringing a evil energy to. Not he, the way he posed it was not entirely evil, mm. but he is going to make that kind of cowboy decision. Like if it doesn't benefit him, or if there's no gold in it, then why should he give a shit? Mm -hmm. Strong bounty hunter energy. That maybe some like some kind of like some self-centered energy that Samson definitely might not vibe with. Potentially, you know, Samson is. I can absolutely see Samson and Ace either getting along well enough because they are both from Marquesh. You know, they might be able to kind of like put their differences aside well enough for Samson to be cool with him and kind of like turn a blind eye to the sketchier things he does. But if it gets too sketchy and uh, too endangering of others, he, you know, I can definitely foresee uh, Samson and Ace settling some personal beefs outside on the street. I feel you that. You fight like men. Okay. 
We're gonna answer a couple questions from Instagram as well, real quick. Uh, we had one, well, two from Graham Illustrations. Hello, Taylor. <laughs> Uh, so one being, has Samson always been so calm, or was this a behavior he learned over time? We kind of delved into that earlier. Yeah, a little bit. I would say, like, yeah, it's just he's been a calm enough person his whole life because just immediately, basically as soon as long as he can remember, it has just been very important to be calm and be chill and be relaxed. It's just basically always. I don't think he's somebody who really carries a lot of anger, uh, even from having been through some of the things that he's been through. He's angry at those uh, some of those particular people, but like it's not like he's like angry at the world for slavery existing, you know. It's not like he's like angry at the whole world for like death existing, you know. He's a calm enough. He's just like when it comes down to it, he is a calm person who has a pretty intuitive understanding of things are the way they are. Nature is what it is. Life is what it is. Bad things happen to people, and he's just got to do better from you know moving forward. So he's a pretty inherently calm person, but. He's only angry at a few particular kinds of people. Next one from Graham would be how much of yourself, like so you personally, uh, how much of yourself influenced the creation of this character? So uh, do you see yourself in Samson a lot? Another good question. This is Dungeons and Dragons, so every character is a self-insert. <laughs> Don't ever try to claim it's not, man. It, that is just the way that it is. You know, I was not given this role. I created this character based on my own interests and my own, and some of my own passions. So yeah, there's a fair bit of me, of myself in this, and a fair bit of, of of fantasy, and you know, in power fantasy a little bit as well. You know, but that's what D and D is about. Uh, as but I wouldn't say that he's like, he's not like a Mary Sue. He's not like a complete self insert. It's not just like this is me if I was in Dungeons and Dragons, because that's a different character who is a druid. <laughs> uh, but he, he, he embodies things that I care about. He embodies ideals that I care about, basically. Uh, every character that I have made uh, is in itself an exploration of a different mindset or lifestyle. I told you, I, I touched a bit about my first character that I ever created was uh, this tiefling witch, uh, who if you don't know tieflings are like little demon creatures. Uh, her name was Tranquil. And Tranquil is 72 years old, uh, and she is essentially uh, based off of like your understanding of like a World War II veteran. Uh, she's a war veteran essentially. She had her leg, you know, burned off in like this great war. She fought in this great orc rebellion, you know, when she was in like her early 20s, and uh, was really like physically scarred from it. Like blasted her leg off. She's missing a horn. The left side of her face is all covered in scars, and like her left. Pinky's missing, and like you know, her her left ring fingers, thumb, uh, uh, fingernail rather, doesn't even grow. So she's only got you know four fingers and three claws on her left hand. You know, very physically scarred, and of course very emotionally scarred as well. You know, carries a lot of biases and was like a very angry person. And it was a lot of fun to play a mildly racist character towards orcs because <laughs> we had a, a half orc character who was another who was the barbarian of our party. So it's like this is a fun dynamic. I'm gonna make her a little bit racist towards orcs. So that's just kind of funny. But uh, Tranquil was, at heart, you know, an exploration of, you know, letting your anger control you a little bit more and, like, being a bit more fiery and being a bit more, like, hot-headed about your, your opinions on things. And she was a bit of an exploration on, like, letting your darker sides kind of control you a little bit more and come out more, you know. And, and it was fun. You know, it's, it's definitely fun to be edgy and, and be dark. 
you know, and, and explore, you know, what it would be like if you were really letting your anger come out. Because when I made Tranquil, I was going through something that was making me very angry. I was going through a lot of angry, anger-causing things. So Tranquil was kind of like an exploration on, like, letting anger control your life, you know? Hmm. And uh, in a roundabout way, you know, me reassuring myself that, like, anger isn't how you solve problems, you know? Anger isn't the answer to those, to, like, to most of life's problems, really. Uh, and so I made Samson at about this same time period, so of course Samson was a bit of an exploration of the opposite, you know? And, like, you know, not letting anger control you, you know, being patient and being slow and being observant. Uh, a big part of Samson is that he is slow. And, and I don't mean, like, mentally slow. He's a very intelligent person. If you look at him statistically, I think he has, like, an, like an 11 or a 12 in the intelligence slot. <laughs> like he's not a dummy. He's a, a very smart person. But he moves very physically slowly. And he speaks very slowly. Uh, because both of those things are very intentional and very deliberate. You know, both of those are things that uh, he puts a lot of conscious choice into. He chooses his words very carefully and says them very carefully so that he can make sure that he's actually saying what he really means. You know, and he moves very slowly because, you know, he wants to make sure that he's not, like, breaking anything. He wants to make sure that he's, like, being careful of the cups on the table and make sure he's not, like, knocking over or, like, bumping his friends and stuff. You know, he's, he moves slowly because he's a very careful and deliberate person. And uh, that's an exploration for me because I am normally not those things. I am normally very clumsy and I'm normally very brash and very talkative and very loud, you know, and very opinionated and expressive. So Samson is very much an exploration for me on slowing down and being calmer. I like that. So last question off Instagram was going to be uh, actually relative to the holiday today. Happy Valentine's Day to all the viewers. Oh, I'm sorry I forgot your roses, Philip. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> First date and you forgot the roses. I don't think this one's a keeper, for guys. Shame. we got to re-roll the stats. Oof. <laughs> so, um, because it's the holidays, what do you think Samson would like to get for his Valentine? Oh man. Um. I have no idea. <laughs> man, you can't just spring that kind of weird ass question on me. <laughs> it was dropped. What Samson you got? would just want anything that everybody else is getting, man. You know, a flower and some chocolates, and and, and he would be extremely touched. You know, you get people don't blood. buy him a lot of gifts, so you know anything would be nice, really. I feel like you could pick a rock up off the street. That yeah, man, give me a shiny nice. rock, brother. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we've gone into. Oh, he can't read, so there's probably not much point writing a note. Oh yeah, so don't don't leave him a little Valentine's card. Just but a big pretty picture real. and a and a nice little gift. Awesome. Okay. So we've gone into who Samson is, why Samson is, what he is. Now, curious enough, uh, we've actually also done the future as well. Holy cannoli. So personally, I think um, I want to delve a little bit more into um, kind of what we were talking about earlier um, regarding like who is going to be the easiest and hardest to get along with. Now, what about the rest of the players? You said, obviously, the, the more uh, motherly figures and Gleek are going to be kind of there to most likely be your homies. Ace is a little bit more on the sketchy side. That just leaves Nin, right? 
that, that does leave Nin. So I'm curious about Nin, but I'm also curious on how he's going to take with uh, new people. Just Obviously, these guys are going to be very new to you, but also just new people in general. You've lived in the desert for so long, you're about to be going to the largest and most industrialized city in the entire world. Like, Tolfor is known as the, like, the pinnacle of science so far. Like, they just made cars. Uh, in that universe, though, they call them automatic carriages because they haven't even found a good name for them yet. So that being said, uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think his approach with like the big city, with the new crowds, thousands of people before him? How is he gonna fare with that? So Nin and the big city, huh? Nin right. and the big city, baby. The only reason I haven't mentioned Nin yet is just because Nin, I'm also very excited about. Uh, <laughs> Nin is our uh, Nin's a lady, right? Yeah, keep forgetting. Nin is a um, face cover. She's a Nin half, is our is our cat girl. Yeah, half our elf, cat girl half tabaxi. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Samson, being a very quiet and observant person, uh, would likely be very entertained by Nin. Uh, if Nin's going to be doing a lot of sneaking around, Samson might be the one actually noticing that you're sneaking around. You know, but also Samson might be the other one sneaking around. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, a little while ago, at the, during the last session, or maybe it was the session right before that, you asked a bit about multi-classing, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I have actually I've put a little bit of thought into it since then, and I might want to multi-class into Rogue. Ooh! Because he has the stats necessary, and also I think he has, in a roundabout way, the mentality necessary of sneaking up on people is like a skill that he would kind of already have been kind of formulating throughout his life. You know, and sneaking around and being quiet and stealthy. And he doesn't wear a lot of metal armor, so it's not like he like really relies on like clanky stuff that would ruin his advantage. Yeah, that's the best part about being a barbarian. Honestly, I don't know why people don't do that more often, because that's actually rather genius. I mean, getting the unarmored defense bonus as a barbarian, on top of that, getting the uh, stealth benefit, on top of that, uh, the sneak attack, plus rage damage while you stealth. Come on, man. I think it's nuts. mostly because when people think of barbarians, they don't think sneak. Exactly. But think but exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm leaning into here. It's like, man, like he's already like the sneaky boy, and you know, we've already got this fantastic uh, rogue in our party. You know, maybe he's already going to be drawing a lot of influence from these people around him because I designed my characters as blank slates to a certain extent so that they can be influenced by the characters around them because that's what Dungeons & Dragons is about. That's how people work. You know, you come into a new work environment and you're kind of a blank slate. You don't know how the work environment is, what the people are like, how to interact with your coworkers yet. And you kind of have to like find out how to, how to get it in. You've got your background, you know, you've got your personality, you've got your character traits, you know, now you just gotta make it fit with the rest of the characters. And that's what's exciting about real life. That's what's exciting about Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm going to save you the time on this one. I'm going to answer this one for you. Clay Sailor says, How is this eight-foot-tall guy going to sneak around? He's massive. Well, in a world of magic and with potions and all sorts of means, I reckon an eight-foot-tall guy is actually a little bit more average than you think. I mean, consider dragonborns, consider tieflings. Like, those, they are some big beings out there. And, I mean, honestly, in this in this world in particular, too, um, Bulbon, Alum, you know, this planet entirely, um, I think the biggest thing you guys... Uh, I have a better answer. I think the biggest thing you guys are going to encounter, uh, which I think Samson might be excited for, is actually going to be giants and I'm not talking about like giant folk like Goliaths literal I'm giants literal giants staggering from, uh, well sorry not staggering standing anywhere from like 
20 to 50 feet tall on average. I have a better answer. Mountains. So, uh, he's going to sneak around uh, the solid snake method, but modified. Uh, he's going to hollow out a marble pillar. And, uh, ah, yeah, yeah, that's um, Surfer Girl, you got it. Dresses a tree, basically. He's going to hollow out a marble pillar, and he's just going to scoot it along like a traffic cone, you know, from the inside. <laughs> it's going to be like that Toy Story scene. It's exactly like the Toy Story scene. <laughs> you're going to have, like, some, you're going to have two guards, and they're going to be, like, standing, like, you know, in front of two pillars. And, like, they're going to be, like, one of them's going to lean back and be like, ah, oh, man, this is a crazy day. And the other guy's going to be like, yeah, you're right. Ah, oh, shit, hey, whoa, where'd the pillar go? How did it move four feet backwards in the last ten minutes? What's going on here? We actually got another good question, too. Ella <laughs> Nasty says, would going rogue, uh, going rogue also embrace Samson's darker side? Probably not. Uh, he wouldn't be a rogue in the typical... Oh, should I wait a moment? I'm going to wait a moment see if he can get back on <laughs> He'll hop back in. I want to make sure he doesn't miss the answer to this question, though, because I know that, that can be annoying. I don't want him to come back and I'm like halfway through my, my thing. And then I have to repeat myself, and then he has oh, to Oh, there he is. Hello. Don't worry, buddy. We waited. We waited for you. My Discord hates me. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry about that. No, you're yeah, it's alright. So, yeah, I don't know what you missed, but uh, Elog Nasty asked, would being a rogue embrace my darker side? And uh, the short answer is no. Uh, because he wouldn't be a rogue in the way that, like, your typical rogue is a rogue, just like he's not a barbarian in the way that your typical barbarian uh, is a barbarian. Uh, if he were a rogue, it would be 100% because he's just already such a sneaky person. It would really just be him embracing the fact that he knows how to control his body very well. Samson is all about control, and all of, it's not just about raw strength with Samson. It's not just about punching down brick walls. You know, it's, it's about controlling that power and not accidentally breaking down the brick walls, you know, as much as it is about breaking down the walls. Uh, so in a similar way with being, like, sneaky, it would be about, you know, just being, you know, he's already a sneaky person, you know, just kind of embracing that and using that to his advantage. <laughs> uh, Clay Sailor says, so we need to take him to a party so he can let loose a little bit, guys. If you get Samson drunk, um... He's not responsible for things that happen to those around him, and he will not be paying for property damage because he has no money. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Kendrick, anything? Yes. Give me questions. Feed the man. Oh, I had Feed questions, and then one of them got answered, so now I have to think of another one. No That's worries. Fair. Well, I got another one in the meantime. So, we've talked about the party. We've talked about your backstory. We've talked about equipment, your future. Uh, personally, this is one, me as a DM, but also just in general. Um, you've talked about, just a little bit uh, from Session Zero, about what would hold Samson back the most. We were talking about that theory mm -hmm. on like if someone knocked a building over, uh, that he might just gonna go save those individuals, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'm, I want to delve into that a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, what would it take to really stop Samson in his tracks? And what would it take to ultimately catch this man off guard? For a man so cautious, for a man so extroverted from the world, to hopping straight into such a large scene with so many people potentially joining this party, um, what do you think is gonna be the one thing that really makes him stop and think, what am I doing? Or like, is this all worth it? Let's see, he's, uh, he's a very young person, so he's still very naive to a certain extent. He might not trust certain people based off of preconceived biases, you know. 
he might come across somebody who's like a reformed bandit and is genuinely a good person trying to do better in their life and trying to make better things with the world and he might not buy into it you know because he is you know so convinced like alright this is a person who hurts people and like steals people like I'm gonna keep my eye on this person and it's just genuinely a person trying to like do better and be better because people grow and change and even people that have done bad things can do better and be better you know and he might not quite have that grasp yet and conversely uh, he might be very prone to betrayal you know he might trust the wrong person too much you know he might very much find that like no oh god you know what if Gleek turned out to be a bad guy you know he'd be fucking devastated you'd never see that coming tear him apart not that Gleek's a bad guy <laughs> you never know <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so it's like I'd say that he's probably um you know his his uh, heart, like the way that he trusts people, could be very easily not something that'd be benefiting him all the time. He might find himself trusting the wrong people or not trusting the right people. Uh, as for maybe stopping him in his tracks, oh boy, thought I had a better answer for this one ready, but oh, you're golden. Hmm. It would probably come down to distraction would be the easiest way to make him think. Because, like, he's got very short-term... He doesn't really have, like, a like a, a, like a feel for, like, the long-term of things. You know? So it probably would be pretty easy to distract him and get him sidetracked. You know, hurt one of his friends and make a break for it, and he'll probably stop and be like, Oh, shit, buddy, you alright? You know, but get held up with that. Uh, I don't really know if I have a very... Uh, satisfying answer for that question right now, though. Yeah, that's golden. That just means that I get to pick and pry until I find it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so he's actually... a very determined person. That's his, uh, that's one of his like other like big character things to me is that he has this idea. I mean, I, that could probably be one of the things working against him. He has this idea of what the future is supposed to be. The spirit, the great spirit, showed him some some good visions of him, old and and battle worn, but leading uh, a country of people that were, you know, happy and prosperous and, and in, in harmony. And, you know, he might... He has, so he has, like, this this solid idea of what the future is probably supposed to look like. So he might miss out on a lot of good opportunities or miss a lot of things being blinded by looking too far forward. Mm-hmm. So he might be easy to distract, like, super short-term, but also, he might be might be really easy to slip things past him because he's looking too far forward. Ah, okay. You know, he's like thinking too much about his big overarching plan and like where he's going. You know, it might be easy to have something happen that's just so far out of the way that he's like, man, I'm not even going to handle that. I can't even do anything about that. It's like I'm I'm over here doing this. I got gotcha. you. So, I mean, that's something. We got another question that just popped in on Instagram. It says, are there any key family members Samson may remember from his time before slavery? So back then he was only two or three, but do you think there might be any foggy images or maybe even while he was growing up, people that might have allegedly claimed they were family with him and you might have interacted with before your breakout? Well, Samson's a big enough person that pretending to be his family is probably going to be pretty hard to pull off. Pretty hard, but... Uh, But... I don't really imagine Samson having too much in the way of family connection. I very much imagine Samson as just this entity who is here now and just needs to figure out what to do 
now that he's here because he's here you know uh, so I don't really like think of Samson's backstory as being too critical uh, uh, history rather as being too critical to his character or too important I haven't really put too much thought into it uh, it's just like it's not where his focus has been his focus is very much just on where he is now why he is short term why he is where he is now and what he's going to do about it moving forward I just haven't thought about his past too much that's cool uh, like I said, like I, you know, I imagine that like his people are descended from like hill giants or something like that, but functionally human and ultimately not really that important to what uh, to what I have in mind for him. Not bad, not bad. Do we want to move? This I did have bit? a question. Like super for right Samson. in the frame. We are. I mean, yeah, scoot on over. We can just lift this up a little bit. Do a little tweak here, and ba bam. I feel like I lean that. any bit to the right. Like if I lean like on that yeah, at all, I'm like off camera. Cut off. <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Kendrick, do you happen to have any yeah. questions for the man? I did, and this question is uh, going back to Samson's equipment. Uh, is there a reason why his javelins are sharpened pieces of rebar? Is it like just something that he picked up the along the way? Same reason that his sword like is some... also made of rebar. It's just there was a bunch like of some steel. symbolism into there. Not really. It's just that they, he was in like an industrial era, like a building that was under construction or something. You know, just a place where they were just like storing, you know, a bunch of animals in crates. You know, and uh, just grab some some sharp bit of metal that was like easily priable off the wall. Use that to kill the guy. You know, saw a couple other bits of javelin of of, of, of some some steel bar and just grabbed those too. Cause it's like, all right, I can throw those. You know, he knows what a javelin is and had that concept and had that little bit of forethought. It was the only thing that was around. There's not like symbolism or anything. It's just, if there's any symbolism at all, it's in how little he has. He doesn't have like a backpack with like changes of clothes and he doesn't have like, like a sack of gold. You know, he doesn't have like a big fancy shield or armor. And, you know, he doesn't even have shoes, you know? He pretty much just has a shirt and a pants and a big length of rebar that has since been grounded onto a blade and some some lengths of rebar that you can throw as a sword or as spears rather and it, that's kind of it and you know and he has what's in his head and he's got his arms you know it's about all it, it's very little it's very minimal so if there's any symbolism at all with what he's carrying it's just in how little there is okay good stuff all right I uh, just wanted to say hello to D, uh, DC Punchline. Happy Valentine's Day right back at you. And thank you for hopping on the stream. First time chat from viewer. Let's go. Ooh, Clay Sailor also asked a really fun question. Oh, random question. Random question. What would his ideal pet be? A toy Ooh. poodle, perhaps? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, small dogs suck. Uh, <laughs> um, Samson's a big guy and is aware of the fact that he's a big guy and I'm being very very ambitious with this one but he does feel a certain level of affection and compassion for the doom the death worm <laughs> <laughs> little baby death worm um, <laughs> oh my god Tames the Destroyer. <laughs> I broke Philip. <laughs> so, <laughs> he doesn't sorry, hate it. He, he very much perceives it as a kindred spirit, as this other being that is, like he is, this massive beast that is the last of its kind, just wandering the desert, as lost as he is, as stuck as he is, and he feels a certain kinship to it, you know? Like, it, like he feels a, like a kind of a bit of a bond to it. 
you know, uh, and like he, he he doesn't want to kill it. I mentioned in the last campaign that like if he had to fight like the one animal he wouldn't want to fight, and everybody else is like, oh man, I'd be terrified to fight this. And his thing was like he wouldn't want to fight the worms because he wouldn't want to have to hurt it. You know, he has avoided it. He has seen it eat, and he's seen it destroy like, you know level <laughs> cities and, and eat people. But man, he's killed to eat. You know, he's killed some squirrels. You know, he he's, he he had to kill that. He had to kill a ram once. You know, it's like like it's like kills to eat he understands wolves you know he understands predators and it's just the biggest one you know something had to be the biggest one you know what this is kind of get, it's giving me kind of um the same vibe of um uh what is it pinocchio's father geppetto with a whale mm-hmm. <laughs> i can just imagine you like cruising in the sandworm's mouth and just vibing in the desert oh no dude i like the idea of him like he has like a big maybe he has like a massive iron bit in its mouth, and he's standing on top of it, holding <laughs> reins. <laughs> ho, ho! <laughs> what happens when it, make me... What happens when it burrows, though? <laughs> he rides that shit, bro. He's just on top of it, like pressed flat up against it. Like, yeah, motherfucker! Like, let's go. I mean, that that just makes me think of Dune and how they ride the big sandworms there. Yeah, oh, man. I haven't seen Dune yet. Yeah, I was gonna say, I still gotta watch that one. Really good. I know okay. that it's a classic example of of giant worms, sandworms. <laughs> but yeah, no. my inspiration was from Tremors. Okay. Thank you very much. Tremors was good too, but Dune is better. No. Wow. Okay. Okay. What yeah. I do love, uh, I made this joke with Philip a long time ago. I love the uh, the episode of SpongeBob though, where there is the bullworm. The and Sandy, Sandy goes into the cave Alaskan and she beats the shit out of the Alaskan bullworm and ties it into a knot and is like, "There, that guy wasn't so tough. What are you guys looking so afraid about?" SpongeBob's like that's not the Alaskan bullworm, and then it's the <laughs> yeah, and then the whole cave, you know. I very much love the idea of me and Gleek having a similar moment. <laughs> I, I think that it's exactly the kind of thing that happened. He flies into this giant cave, beats the shit out of this giant dragon, and comes out. He's like, "Yeah, I beat the shit out of it." And I was like, "Dude, how were you in its mouth for so long without it eating you? What do you mean?" <laughs> that, that kind of delves into the the same um, one DM theory that I love that I think uh, kind of incorporates to that too is uh, the mimics like anything can be a mimic and it goes as far as like uh, an entire cave system perhaps a city itself is a mimic and just for anyone who doesn't know what mimics are uh, typical RPG games a mimic is this abstract creature with a really fucked up looking mouth, arms and claws and it'll interpret whatever inanimate object it wants. It could be as small as a cell phone but it could go all the way up to anything really. It just depends on the size and what it's capable of contorting into. Planet yeah, mimic. Yeah, a, pl- a planet mimic I would cry. I would cry. Do it. Well, do it. I know they make just so. they just don't don't cry. Like make the mimics so. Horde okay. mimics, like dragon oh. horde mimics. Yep, that sounds terrifying. That that does sound terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> You're like fucking swinging your sword around, you know, fighting with this horde of dragons that are like also don't mimics. You're like you fuck, fuck. I know what I need to do. I need to pull out my bow, and you pull out the bow to like fight them, and the bow turns into a mimic and eats. Yes, ah, oh, dude, that'd be horrible. Everything's Ooh. a mimic. Actually, I think I just thought of a really good question now. Um, what do you think uh, would be Samson's biggest fear? Like, I'm talking like full-fledged fear. Would it be the slavers coming back and actually finding him, potentially? No, he's looking for them. Actually, oh, he's, he's, looking, he's okay. looking for them. That's one of the no. many threes. That's one of the many things that has brought him to Tolfor. Is I imagine that maybe they're not in Marrakesh anymore. You know, he spent a little bit of that time. Maybe the last like two, three years, he's been kind of looking for him. 
He's like, you know what? I'm bigger now. I'm stronger now. I've got this desert spirit behind me now. Let me start with with settling this beef, and then I'll figure out what the what, you know. Let's move forward with my destiny here. So that's kind of like one of his higher priorities right now, anyway. So okay. Uh, uh, his biggest fear would probably just uh, he probably isn't afraid of anything right now, but once he starts developing like attachments to the party, uh, that's going to be the the thought of losing any of that. Is going to be very hard for him because you know every, anybody who's lost somebody knows how hard it can be to redevelop attachments and how hard it can be to lose those attachments once you start to develop them again. So oh yeah, uh, that's probably one, going to be a big part of it. The one that was scratching my uh, surface of my brain too was uh, living in the desert so long. Uh, do you think Samson knows how oh, to yeah. swim? I was pers- oh, yeah. I was always thinking, um, would he be scared of the water? No, he, he can could... swim, but he is also afraid of the dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. He does not like the dark. He's not a fan. Usually has that he's been doing a pretty good job of usually having a fire of some kind, so there's some sort of light even when he's like you know, when it's like late. But you know, he's probably not very comfortable if it's dark because the ignorance, not knowing what's coming, kinda of freaks him out. He's a very alert person because he's a very like tense person on the inside. So like not being able to like see, being blind would be probably horrifying to him. Like the idea of like not being able to see what's around him. Like he could get by in a dark cave or something, but if you put him in like a, like in a in like a in like crawling through like a cave system, where like the fact that he's so big is really working against him, get him get like some claustrophobia and some like some darkness going on. Ah, dude, this man would be un, unable to cope. I think. Okay. Trap this man in a cave and he would be panicking. I think. Don't mind me just writing down these. Yeah, notes I feel really fucked up telling you this, man, dude. This Perfect. is like. Just oh, give dude. him ammo, why don't you? Right? Why do you think I'm doing these interviews? You think it's for the consumers? No, it's for me, dog. Oh, man. <laughs> Building Jeez. death traps over here. Uh, I do have one question. Just sold you the silver bullet. Um, What's up, buddy? If Samson goes back to Marquesh, like, he was alone in the desert for, like, ten years? He is going ish. back eventually. Well, would he have, like, knowledge of all the plants and animals in the area of Marquesh? Like, like that so. wide, vast desert? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons that I, that I put so much into his intelligence was because a lot of survival skills are based on intelligence. And so I like the, you know, so he was like, he's a smart guy. He's been getting by in the desert for all this time. He must be able to have some really good ability to catalog, you know, which berries are safe to eat, you know, which which snakes are venomous, you know. If the cactus juice is actually good for you and doesn't get you high as a kite. Right? Okay. <laughs> The cactus the juice. Bender, bro. The yeah, juice. I got the plug, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the juiciest. It's the juiciest. Not bad. Okay. Um, let's see. Now, beyond that elf girl, uh, up to this date, you said that Samson's been in the desert for the past ten years. Um, beyond the great spirit, beyond that little girl, is there anyone that he would hold true to? Is there anyone that Samson can rely on? So, like, he's been out there. Did he ever go mm-hmm. into villages? Did he ever, like, he really form a connection it. with anyone? I like to imagine that Samson was basically, uh, functionally, a bit of a cryptid in the deserts of Marrakesh. I like to imagine that there were some folks... There might have been like some towns on like the outskirts. I don't really know what you have in mind, what Marrakesh really is like. You know, I don't oh, really yeah. know Ooh. how much you uh, thought Ooh. about it, but I imagine that it's essentially a great big desert, and there might be some towns around the outsides of this desert. Maybe some people that wander through it once in a while, but nothing really like stable, nothing really like permanent inside the desert area. The best way I could say it without saying it, because I'm going to save that for campaign two, session zero. Um, pretty much, 
The desert is untamed. There are civilizations, there are settlements, though there is not one unified ruler. Everyone kind of looks after themselves, and they all respectively have their own cultures and traditions. There's far and few, but there's much more sand in between everything. So I like to imagine that he wouldn't really have any one person that he would rely on. I mean, I he might, I, I mean, realistically, probably, there might be like a shopkeeper or two. And I don't know what, maybe there might be one or two people that have helped him out a couple of times, you know, throwing him some scraps. You know, maybe somebody helped him sharpen his sword or told him, even suggested sharpening it in the first place, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so maybe there's like a couple of folks like that, but nothing tight, nothing like where anybody knows his real name. Okay. You know, I like to imagine that the perception of Samson in those villages and settlements that are around Marrakesh is that he is either a hermit. You know, just this this dirty, smelly, savage guy of some weird age, you know, undecipherable because he's covered in filth all the time. You know, I imagine he's not. He wasn't a very clean person while he was living in the desert. You know, probably was fucking covered in, in mud and dirt and shit. Not literal shit, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so I like to imagine that he was either viewed as like the hermit. Or maybe even some sort of like cryptid, like some like that. Like uh, I like to imagine that some people called him like the Golem of Marrakesh, you know, just this dirty man that like lives out in the woods and and like steals, you know, doesn't like steal from like people, doesn't like break into people's houses, but might like rummage through like garbage cans and like steal like, you know, if you leave like meat out drying, he might like you know take your meat, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing exceptional, nothing crazy, you know, just this crazy dirty guy that just takes your food once in a while. Gotta lock your meat up better than that, buddy. You know, like this <laughs> it's thing. like a bear tied up in a tree. Yeah, a very similar perception to the way that somebody might like, yeah, there's like a bear out there in the woods, but like it's not hairy, and it seems to carry a sword. So I don't, <laughs> don't really know what's going on there. And there might be like one guy in one of the villages is like, oh, that's just that kid that's dirty and hungry and way too thin. You know, it's like, I don't know. There's, there's a little bit of wiggle room for you on that, but nothing where he really like feels attached to anybody in particular. Nothing okay. where he knows anybody by name particularly well, or anybody knows him by name. Not bad, not bad. Personally, I think I got just a couple more questions. We are getting close to that hour and a half mark. Already? So, yeah, it's already been an hour and 21 minutes, my guy. And personally, I think... Damn, we, I was wondering if we were at that hour yet. I'm over oh, here like, no, man, it hasn't been an hour <laughs> it's yet. It's been an hour and a half. Or, it's been a good time. I've had a lot of fun here. And personally, I think we're going to cut it off at that 130 mark, though, just because we don't want to pump out too much. We still want to keep some surprises for the story. Uh, we'll definitely have plenty of after-hour segments later on in the future, uh, like after-game talk segments or uh, just more interviews, because, I mean, we're going to be planning not only we got Samson done today, uh, up next, I believe, is going to be Clara. I, I believe yeah. it's going to be Clara's turn next. So uh, we're going to be doing this kind of on a bi-weekly line. So Very exciting. Exciting. Azamars are sick. Yeah, yeah. I love a good Azamar. So today was Samson. Next Monday is going to be uh, the session one stream. I'm beyond excited. We're actually going to start playing, guys. Beyond excited. So uh, Monday the 21st, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can catch us live here. Uh, if you can't make it to the stream, don't worry. We're going to be re-uploading onto Twitch. Uh, sorry, YouTube and Spotify. Duh, we're already on. Don't Twitch. worry, I'll just cry if you're not there. Just a little bit. You want to make Samson cry? Wow, guys. 
But um, yeah, uh, we'll, be, we'll be streaming at those times. We'll be posting more uh, updated schedules here soon, and we'll actually have a schedule posted to uh, Twitch here soon. We're um, we're thinking about potentially doing a three day three days a week stream. So uh, something like one day we might do how to DM or how to build a character sheet, just informative sessions. Another day might just be you guys hanging out with me while I edit videos, and we could just listen to some music. I could answer some questions about the world lore for you, and those third days would either be a stream and or an interview, perhaps an after hours segment. And if you viewers are interested in potentially hopping on here, just like Kendrick is today, we can make that happen. Uh, if you click the link in our bio on Twitch, you can find our LinkedIn, I believe the profile is called. It, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's a website that just has all the different URLs for our social media plugs. If you follow those, you can DM us at any of those uh, any of those profiles, and I pretty much oversee a good half of them, and so do a few of the other Etro members. So we'll get back to you as soon as we can, and we can see what we can do. Personally, I, I love having people on the show. I think it helps out because there are some questions that Kendrick threw tonight that I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, man, it's been nice talking to you. You too, mate. Link tree. Yeah, LinkedIn is the job one. I keep doing that. Back in session zero. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> But um, without further ado... Link is the princess. Yeah, oh, my bad. Le <laughs> legend... <laughs> legend... Legend of Link. <laughs> the hero of Zelda. Zelda's the green guy. Zelda's coming to save him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and... I'll, I'll throw off one last question for the evening just to close us off. If anyone has any last second questions, drop them in now because we're going to be stopping here in six minutes. Last question for the night, Samson. Uh, on my part, at least. Personally, the one thing I want to know from you as a player, you as Samson, how are you both feeling? Are you guys fucking excited to hop into this? And um, what are your expectations? I'm excited. Samson's excited. We're going to do a lot of good stuff. I'm excited to really get to know the other folks that you brought in. You know, I've never met the other folks that are playing, except like Castro, like once or twice maybe in passing. You know, I've only hung out with uh, the other folks in this campaign a couple of times, but they're all really great people, and I'm excited to hang out with them and get to know them. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to awesome. be a good time. Kendrick, you got any last questions for the man? Last question. Let's hear it. Where does Sanson draw the line? Like, what's the one Ooh. thing Sanson will not do? <laughs> so, I have been kind of hoping to get something like this kind of question. Samson does not punch down and does not like people that do. Like and he doesn't I, like someone laying on the ground, he's not going to hit them, he's going to wait for them to get back up? Essentially, yeah, that's kind of what that's about. And if he can, you know, he'd only really would even like think about really, he would prefer to only fight somebody bigger than him. You know, he's always going to go for the biggest person in the enemy group. If there's a big person on the other side, you know, Sam's going to be like, all right, I'm going to get that one so that nobody else has to get that one. And because this is the most fair fight, so that he doesn't go for somebody else smaller than him. And I like this idea of Samson finding somebody who's, like, punching down on some guy that they have beaten. And Samson comes up and grabs him and just goes, you're punching the wrong direction. And just holds him up and just goes, you're supposed to punch up. And just starts punching into his face. <laughs> so... I just let it, so, but he doesn't go after people that he perceives as smaller than him or as weaker than him. If you're like this like frail little stick figure person and you like come at him like, I'm gonna fight you, I'm gonna beat you up, buddy, he's just gonna put his hand in your forehead and be like, Please stop fighting me. 
you know. Okay, Gleek. <laughs> so he really does not, you know, and and he's he, yeah, just really not going to be somebody who's going to be going after somebody like, that's a lot weaker than he him than he is rather than he him <laughs> than he is. If I could add on to that a little bit, um, yeah, man. Now that you actually mentioned Gleek himself too. Uh, Gleek's exception. Gleek. I'll beat Gleek's ass because I know he can take it. <laughs> I was about to say, Gleek is a very, uh, very. Put him uh, in the ground, Samson. Gleek is a very competitive individual, and I know for a fact that uh, one thing Taylor mentioned back in session zero was that uh, calling him small, telling him that he can do it, uh, just pretty much belittling him, but not that you would mean to or Samson would directly mean to. It would be that, very accidental. It would be in that exactly. very condescending way where like Gleek would be trying to handle something. Like Gleek would be trying to like push like a big heavy door open and Sam's would be like come on let a strong person do that and like he means well but Gleek would be like fuck you buddy you know what I mean yeah <laughs> and that being said do you think there might be a chance one day that you might piss Gleek off enough to where you might have to defend yourself because he no uh, uh, I, I I think Samson's honest view and like in the nicest way possible is that he could physically overpower Gleek without hurting him like I know I could and like it's not Hold in like a mean hands. way. It's not in like a, oh he's too weak to hurt me. Like he absolutely could hurt me. Boy's got some po some pointy things on him. <laughs> but I know that if he does try to hurt me, I know that I can take the, the hurt. And I know that like I don't want, like I would want to not hurt him more than I would care about getting not hurt. I got you. You know he'd be he's willing to take a little bit of pain to avoid having to deal out pain, and he can take a good amount of pain. So yeah. Alrighty, well, I think that's a nice little close there. Without uh, further ado, anybody else? Any last questions from the chat? Kendrick, anything? I'm all good. I think I'm golden. Honestly, uh, you golden? You got any I'm questions saying, for me? I'm ready, man. You got, you got one more? I don't have anything questions. For me? I don't have questions for you because I'm excited to see what you show. I don't want to ask a question and put you in the spot where it's like either a spoiler or it's something that you were going to tell me anyway. Like, you're going to tell me everything already. <laughs> I'm just, I want to hear it the way that you have it prepared. Oh. Do we have a canonical schlong <laughs> size for Samson? Can What's a schlong? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on, guys. So, <laughs> nothing is canon. Come to your own conclusions. <laughs> We're gonna roll dice for that. Nothing's canon until we roll the D12, baby. <laughs> D12 and the D. D100. Yeah. D100? Jesus. D100? Yeah, it Christ. counts in fucking like. Measuring centimeters. Yeah. yeah. Centimeters. <laughs> centimeters. Millimeters, maybe. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, without further ado, this is the closing time. I uh, thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, everyone for shooting questions, interacting, the new followers and such, the donation. Uh, thank you all for your true. genuine interest in this character. I came into this with very low expectations. Uh, I was not expecting him to be so well received, honestly. But I knew he was, and I know everyone else is going to be too. This is like honestly, this is bigger than I, bigger than I could have ever hoped for. And to see the potential of where this is going to go in the next year, I'm excited. And the fact that you guys are all here with us day one, it means a lot. So truly, um, thank you all for tuning in. We will catch you next week, Monday the 21st, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for session one, everybody. We'll catch you guys later. Thank you and good, good night, guys.